Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. The Large Nerdron Collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider podcast, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Kasten, and with me, as always, is Chimichanga Jonathan Strickland. You threw me off. I have no response to that other than <laughs> I do love Chimichangas, and we will be talking about Deadpool. But before we get to that, I have a question for you. Okay, Ariel, here is your question for this week. What is your favorite Disney song? Ugh, Jonathan. <laughs> um. See, Ariel likes Disney a lot. <laughs> and so there are a lot so of do songs. You. <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. Yeah, I, I have a passing yeah. familiarity with Disney. Well, I mean, it's not the one that's been stuck in my head for two months, which is... We don't talk about Bruno? We don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> um, although I do really enjoy... I mean, it's a it's a Lin-Manuel uh, cornerstone, right? How he can take a bunch of different, basically, song pieces that don't feel like they put, fit together and then make them all fit. It's, it's He's wonderful at medleys. <sighs> I think I have two. Okay. And I, they are not similar content-wise necessarily, but they are similar in the drive that they have in the performance. 
I will say the first is uh, Be a Man from Mulan. Mm-hmm. And the other is After Today from a Goofy movie. Oh, wow. Not even the Power Man song. No, which I love the Power Man song. But After Today and and uh, Be a Man, like they both are that kind of driving thing that I put it on. I listen to it when I'm driving, when I'm running, when I'm working out. It's just it's they're both very energizing and like tell tell like a story mm-hmm. with other people interjecting in, which I guess is kind of similar to we don't talk about Bruno as well, um, but with a, a stronger through line melody. Goofy movie is is one of my favorite Disney flicks, and I feel like it's very underrated. Um, I'm glad that it's gained such a prominence again. So yeah, like most of the music from that I love, but after today is the one that I could quote backward and forwards that if I'm feeling like I need to pick me up, I'll just start humming to myself. Similar with Be A Man. What about you, Jonathan? I've rambled on, like, <laughs> I'm going to start listing every Disney song. So uh, my, if I had to list like a favorite, a single favorite, I'd probably go with Poor Unfortunate Souls from Little Mermaid. That's a good um, one. However, I do just have a deep love for like great villain songs. So I'm also a big fan of be prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, hearing a Disney song with the word coup in it was very surprising. Uh, so be prepared. I think is a really effective one. And then uh, uh, there's a pair of songs from Pete's dragon, the original that uh, I really love, um, which is like every little piece or money by the pound, uh, which is uh, uh, doc terminus sings that the other one is, the happiest home in these hills, which the 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 bad the family that has uh, adopted Pete sings, and um, I mean, there's also Bill of Sale, which is another bad guy song. It's also great, um, but I like all the Disney bad guy songs. Uh, so yeah, those those would be my picks too. But I mean, poor unfortunate souls remains my favorite. I think it's probably the most like Broadway kind of villain number that Disney has ever done. Like, and I include the Broadway shows. Mm -hmm. I think just poor, unfortunate. I mean, that was Ashman and Minkin, the same duo that wrote all the music and and wrote the, the stage musical of uh, little shop of horrors. So, and also wrote Galavant, which the further on you get, once they get past their repetitiveness has some amazing. Well, one half, because by that point, the other half had already passed away. Um, but yeah, Ash, because 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 yeah. we lost we lost half during Beauty and the Beast. But um, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. like that that poor unfortunate soul is such a such a melodramatic villain number, and it's it's a chew the scenery number. And yes, I have performed it at karaoke before. All right, we have so much news, so much news to get through. So much news. I want to talk about it all, but we just can't. So let's start with that chimichanga-ness. I slightly second-guessed calling you a chimichanga after I did, but uh, it's it's there I mean, now. it's accurate. Um, I, just am, like I, I am stuffed with goodness and fried on the outside, so. That is true. That is true. Our, our first story is that we have learned that Sean Levy is going to direct Deadpool 3. Sean Levy is a producer and director who recently uh, directed, well, Free Guy, which we had that big discussion about. He was the director mm-hmm. for Free Guy. Also, The Adam Project. So he's got some recent projects with Ryan Reynolds under his belt. So it, it seems to me like the two of them must have really hit it off. 
Yeah, he is not Dan Dan Levy, Levy uh, like I accidentally read at first, uh, which would also make a great Deadpool movie, I feel. <laughs> uh, Dan Levy being Eugene Levy's uh, son um, and one of the stars of Schitt's Creek. I So I wonder about this. I, you know, we both eh, enjoyed Free Guy well enough. I haven't watched Adam Project yet, though it is on my short list. I wouldn't say it's Free Guy was family-friendly, but it was much more family-friendly than Deadpool was. And I know The Adam Project is supposed to be pretty family-friendly. So I wonder if this is also a move to make Deadpool more accessible to the Disney plus Marvel universe. I, I'm very curious about that myself. I mean, if you look at Levy's resume and you look over, like he also did Night at the Museum films and stuff. So mm-hmm. he's done a lot of... Which I've never watched, but I heard were fun. Well, yeah, he's done a lot... Of, done a lot of adventurish film stuff that's geared toward like family audiences, maybe not the youngest, but like, you know, you, you got a couple of kids, maybe they're like 12 and 14. You pile them all up in the car and you head over to the movie plex to watch yourselves a movie. Uh, that's, that feels like a lot of his resume falls into that category. So I also have that, that not concern, but, but curiosity um, you know, Ryan Reynolds, the, the whole Deadpool thing was such a passion project for him that it would be difficult for mm-hmm. me to imagine that he would just be okay with taking the edge off. So we'll have to wait and see, but yeah, I am definitely curious about it. Yeah. Uh, I do like that the article that we, we found out about this in the, on the Hollywood reporter has a picture of Sean Levy and Ryan Reynolds at the opening night of music man on Broadway, which of course has Hugh Jackman. Um, knowing Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman's faux feud. I think yeah. it's a faux feud. Yeah, oh yeah, no, it's um, it's it's totally I think that's hilarious. They 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 present themselves as frenemies, but they legit really like each other. I cannot wait to actually see some version of Deadpool where there is a Hugh Jackman cameo, even if he's not playing Wolverine. Cameo. He could play, be playing anything. Yeah. And I think that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, I think. I think that would be fantastic. Maybe, maybe from the music man. We'll see. Uh, something else that's kind of, kind of family friendly. Um, <laughs> this is not a good segue. <laughs> is uh, He-Man, depending on what version you're watching. Some of it's very family friendly. Some of it's not. Some of it's not adult friendly. Yeah, most of it is not adult friendly. <laughs> but we are, in fact, still confirmed to be getting a Live action Masters of the Universe movie, a new one, not the old Dolph Lundgren one. Yeah, this news came out of South by Southwest, which is going on as we are recording this episode. Uh, It's a big film, music and interactive or Internet slash technology conference that happens in Austin, Texas every spring. And uh, Aaron and Adam Nee, who are the filmmakers behind this project, Uh, gave a little tiny bit of a glimpse into what they're planning for the the film, saying that they were going to aim for a tone that is similar to Thor Ragnarok. So presumably uh, a slightly more goofy and lighthearted tone, which honestly I'm totally okay with. I was telling Ariel before we started recording Mm. He-Man literally started off as a cartoon designed to sell action figures. Like that's all it was. It was just the, the media uh, attempt to get kids invested in these characters so that they would beg their parents 
to buy all the action figures and play sets. And that's the only reason it existed, mm -hmm. which means there is no reason <laughs> that the series needs to be anything like heavy or grim or gritty. Yeah, I which, you know, I'm for I'm kind of tired of and this is why I wouldn't be so this would have been a better a better segue. I wouldn't be so upset with Deadpool going a little more family friendly. I'm kind of tired of dark and gritty and raunchy. Um, it has its place, but there's been so like there was such a trend for that for a long time that I'm happy for more lighthearted stuff right now. It is interesting, though, because the thing that Adam and Aaron Nee most recently are working on or worked on is The Lost City, previously known as The Lost City of D, which is coming out at the end of March, which is the Sandra Bullock, Channing Tatum, Brad Pitt movie about a romance writer who goes to actually find a lost city for Daniel Radcliffe. What what everyone has said, and I agree, feels like a reboot of Romancing the Stone from the 80s. Yes, which I'm all about. So, I mean, I, I, I still like, love that movie, even though there's some major problems with it. <laughs> I do, too. And I like Miss Congeniality and I like you know, dramedies or not dramedy, uh, romance, comedy, rom-coms. That's the word. Um it, look, it just looks like goofy fun. Um, so I, I, I'm I, sure that Thor will also be, or not Thor, He-Man he will also be goofy fun. I just he hope that they he include what's going on in the soundtrack of the He-Man movie. The it disco would be version. pretty fantastic. Yeah. So meta. I would love it. I so would love it. And I will be, I will walk out of that too. movie in a huff if it doesn't happen. You have my word on that. Yeah. I mean, the, the characters can go to a disco, so uh, it'll be great. Yeah. Uh, speaking of whack, wacky, uh, zany comedy, we've got some news about the Harley Quinn gang from HBO Max. Yeah, so if you're not familiar, uh, the Harley Quinn series on HBO Max, it's an animated series. It is not for kids. It is a mature mm -hmm. series that, that deals pretty you know, bluntly with elements like like violence and sex in the DC universe. Uh, but one of the, the gags they had in that series was that Kite Man, everyone's favorite no one villain from the Batman, uh, uh, you know, rogues gallery, was dating Poison Ivy before they broke up. Uh, actually, they were engaged. And now apparently there's going to be a spinoff of the Harley Quinn series where a kite man takes over a bar called Noonan's Bar, and it becomes a series akin to the sitcom Cheers from back in the day where various DC lowlifes will come into the bar and have little, you know, stories play out episode to episode. Yeah, um... I, Kite Man is a lot of fun. Patton Oswalt's going to be Condiment King, which, uh, for those who don't know, there was an interview with Robert Pattinson, the current, the Batman, uh, who said that the Condiment King is his favorite villain because it's just ridiculous to spray people with, like, ketchup and mustard and mayo and relish and stuff. Um, and, and like, Clay, Clayface, who is my favorite from the Harley Quinn villains, Clayface and, and King Shark, um... But I do kind of wonder, this feels awful similar to the rogues gallery in the How It Should Have Ended uh, YouTube videos. Oh, I haven't seen that, but I can easily imagine it. I uh, I mean, it could very well be that there's, I have no idea how long this, this series has been in like pre-production or whatever, 
but um, it could very well be that that was influential. But yeah, I I love you know more fun takes on this stuff. I assume there still will be an edge to it because if it's from the same mm-hmm. team that's doing the Harley Quinn series, uh, there definitely will be an edge to it. But it I mean it's also HBO me, Max, so yeah, it sounds to me like there's there's some opportunity for zaniness, and I'm all for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have more zany news to talk about, but uh, before we do that. Hey, Jonathan, let's take a quick break. Okay. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Relax this Sunday with a little moment to yourself and the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. I'm broken. Oh, you're broken? Is that because you watched the trailer for The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent? Oh. Did that break you during the break? That's going to break anybody. Yeah, so this was something that came out last week while I was on vacation. It also came out uh, after the day we would typically record Larger Nurtron Collider. So it's our first opportunity to talk about it. Pretty sure that everyone out there listening is already aware of this because I'm sure it has flooded social media. I'm no longer on social media, but I cannot imagine a world where this didn't get circulated like crazy. Um, <laughs> it is, of course, the upcoming Nicolas Cage film in which Nicolas Cage takes on his greatest challenge by playing himself. I mean, it is a fictionalized version of himself, 100%. We knew about this movie for a while. I actually read an interview with Nick Cage when they were talking about Renfield, which is the the Dracula uh, movie that's coming out with him and Nicholas Holt and Aquafina, where he talked about this and he said, you know, if there is a project that scares you but is not harmful for you, you should do it. Um, <laughs> which I certainly think is interesting. And 
I can 100% see that in the way that Nicolas Cage operates in the movie he movies he makes because he makes some really great stuff and then he makes some stuff that is I'm sure really great for somebody. Maybe great for his wallet. Well, I don't know. I'm sure there are people who enjoyed Vampire's Kiss. I enjoyed it in a like <laughs> riff tracks kind of way. Sarcastic sort of way. Yeah, yeah. Um but he commits to everything he does wholeheartedly and I think that's why he's so so much fun to watch, even if the movie is not something I would put into the good bucket. But in this trailer, Nick Cage is kind of like about to give up on acting. He's tired. Um, and he is hired by an eccentric billionaire to go to his house for a party. He makes friends with the billionaire, and then he finds out through the CIA that the billionaire is not a good guy, and he kind of becomes like a agent, double agent. Um, and it is it is ridiculous, but it also looks amazingly fun. It does look fun. Uh, the billionaire is played by Pedro Pascal, who is everywhere now. Mm-hmm. Like this was a guy that yeah, I was like, yeah. I, I was not on my radar. And then he was in like Wonder Woman 1984. And of course the Mandalorian guy. <laughs> you know, tons of stuff. And now he's everywhere and he's playing the part of this, this uh, nefarious billionaire character. Um, and the little interactions they have in the trailer between the two of them are adorable and fun. And uh, the thing that this is giving me, yeah. it's giving me a lot of the interview vibes. I don't know if you ever saw the interview. I did not watch that. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, That's the one that had um, Seth Rogen and James Franco. Seth Rogen. Yeah. yeah. Playing, playing the part Where of. Where they interview Kim Jong. Yeah. Uh, Kim Con, Kim Jong. Mm. You know? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, they're, they're off to North Korea. Like I get a lot of the same sort of vibes from this. Uh, but this looks while the interview, like had some elements that I found amusing. I didn't really click with it at all. Uh, mm-hmm. despite the fact that there were a couple of very good performances in it, but this one, this trailer has me intrigued and interested and, uh, it looks like it's a good time. Yeah, I'm I am very excited about this movie. If you haven't seen the trailer or you haven't heard about it, watch it. Uh, if you like listening to us, my guess is that you'll think even if it's ridiculous, it looks fun. Yeah, something that we don't know if it looks fun or not is the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. So the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus series, we've known it's coming for ages. We knew that Ewan McGregor was back to play Obi-Wan um, and we got the trailer the week that this is coming out. So we got the chance to see our first look at the series. And you know what? I'm so excited that, Oh wait, no, I'm not excited that we're back on Tatooine. Seriously. I am sick of Tatooine. I am done with Tatooine. I get that Obi-Wan kind of has to be there because that's where he ends up. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen star Wars episode four, (laughs) um, and that that's where Luke Skywalker is stuck. But good gravy, I'm tired of Tatooine. Uh, Anyway, we also see some hints of characters like the Grand Inquisitor, which was a character that was introduced in the Rebels series, the animated series. Uh, But as far as I know, has never been a live action character before. So that'll be new. Um, And we also learned pretty cool. Yeah, pretty cool. He has like that weird Frisbee lightsaber thing that spins around like a propeller. Um, Yeah. Like one of those things that you buy at a Disney park <laughs> if you're a little kid yeah. during the nighttime. Yes, like the ones that light up and then you're irritating everyone who's just trying to wait for the fireworks to come on. Uh, 
Yeah. And yep. we, we have a couple of little side stories related to Obi-Wan. One of those is that there was a rumor that Darth Maul, you know, the, the, the horned red and black bad guy in the Phantom Menace was going to be in the series as a villain, uh, but is now not in the series. And furthermore, Lucasfilm says he never was gonna be. Yeah. So I, I guess that's, that goes to show how much faith you should put in rumors. Or um, obviously we don't know. That, that's assuming that Lucasfilm's telling the truth too. So <laughs> yeah, I would say we don't know who's telling the truth. I enjoyed Darth Maul. I personally, uh, he was fine. Uh, Ray Park was fine. I know he showed up in Solo as well, and that was fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, but then no one saw Solo, so. I saw Solo. When I say no one, I mean that it it largely d- failed to perform. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I. They say that if he was in it, part of the reason that they scrapped it is because they were worried it was going to be too close to the Mandalorian plotline. Um which is great. I'm glad that they're veering away from that because the book of Bubblefoot just um <laughs> the Bubblefoot did the book of Bubblefoot just did um it was a little lacking for me. Yeah, too much Tatooine. Uh so much so that so much so that they brought in episodes like the end of it just became the Mandalorian. Yeah, there were two episodes um, of the book of Boba Fett that were really the Mandalorian episodes. Not good Mandalorian episodes, were, but still better than yeah. Boba Fett episodes. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and so like, and it's, it's a shame cause I really wanted to look at like it, but I just, I feel like they, I feel like they tried to put too much into the first season or maybe misorganized the order in which they gave us the story. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I've been trying to put my finger I on it. I think a big just, part of it, it was a little bit of a flop. For we me. could probably do a full discussion again about this, but I, I think my biggest problem was that I never bought into Boba Fett's motivation. Like I spent the entire series going, but why does he care? Why is he doing this? What mm-hmm. is motivating him to do this? Where is that coming from? And it never sufficiently answers that question. Like there's no reason for Boba Fett to feel any ties to Tatooine. He had no connection with that planet other than that's where he quote unquote died. And that's it. And you yeah. would think like once he got back on his ship, he would be so long, see a sandy planet, never going to have to come back here again and go somewhere else. So that was my biggest issue was that I never bought into what Boba Fett was trying to do because I never felt like he had a reason to do it. Yeah. I also felt like I, I completely understand and agree with that. Um, cause, cause the, the Tuscan Raiders I think were his motivation, but even still it was so weak that. And they got rid of them halfway really through. through. <laughs> Yeah, again, order of operations. I think if if the uh, first half was the Tuscan Raider documentary and then the second half was if they stopped bouncing around between pre-time and current time. Another thing that really kind of hit me oddly with Boba Fett that did not hit me with Mandalorian was whenever they went to like the high-tech Mass Effect sort of like some of the cities are very Shadowrun Mass Effect to me. And I don't think Mandalorian, up until the Book of Boba Fett, really went to any of those cities. And we had a couple of them, I guess, in the prequels. But it feels like a different genre of show. Yeah, it feels almost when like they it, go there. It feels like they accidentally ducked into Blade Runner. Yeah, and I know a bunch of people had issues with like his the the crew that Boba Fett hires in their Mighty Morphin Power Scooters, um, yeah. <laughs> which kind of fit that that Blade Runner aesthetic. Um, 
Although I will say the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer does feel like it takes that sort of setting that they've established and makes it feel appropriate to the world of Star Wars. Yeah, it feels... There's a reason it shouldn't feel appropriate, but it doesn't. It feels uh, like, I don't know. I haven't been sold on the Obi-Wan series yet. I love Ewan McGregor, so I know he's going to do a phenomenal job. Uh, The man, like, does a great Alec Guinness impression, if nothing else. So I am looking forward Mm -hmm. to his performance. But yeah, I think Book of Boba Fett took a lot of wind out of the sails for me as far as Star Wars is concerned, which no big surprise. I mean, it it seems like every other Star Wars project either gets me excited or totally destroys my enjoyment. So I still haven't watched the last episode of the main series after all. So Uh, but one other point we wanted to make was that technology that was used in the Mandalorian, it was this um, this kind of similar to a green screen mixed with rear projection uh, is getting a lot more use now, partly because it really gives actors a lot more to work with when they're trying to do scenes in a imaginative environments. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, typically if you're doing like a green screen scene, well, you've got a green screen behind you. You have to imagine the setting that you are in. Mm-hmm. This approach uses a big curved surface and projection to create the actual environment behind you. So you don't have to use your imagination. You can see what the filmmakers wanted to create. It does require a lot more work on the mm-hmm. front end in order to get that to happen, but it also ends up potentially helping actors a lot when they're putting together yeah. you know, their performance. And we have learned that that technology is also going to be used on a totally different Disney project, that of the next Ant-Man film. Yeah, um, I'm super excited about this. I do feel like there were times when watching both The Mandalorian and Boba Fett where I'm like, this does not feel like a green screen. It doesn't feel like CGI. It doesn't feel like a painted backdrop. It feels really immersive. And even on my high-resolution television, it doesn't feel like a set. Um, And I am excited for them to use that in the Quantumverse. Um, And yeah, so that's all I have to say about that. Yeah, (laughs) same. Well, we got a couple other teasers we want to talk about. And one of them is a teaser for the new Star Trek series, uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds, which um, didn't tell me a whole lot about what that series is going to be like other than uh, apparently stories about like first contact kind of stuff. And also that uh, um, yeah. Commander Pike or Captain Pike is one of the the, the members of the, the series. Yeah, so this, this series kind of follows Captain Pike and number two and Spock, you know, pre-Captain Kirk, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe during Captain Kirk, but back when Pike was a, a ship captain. Um, and, and their adventures... And watching Star Trek Discovery, I really enjoyed Command. I, I thought that Captain Pike, I guess at that time, or Commander Pike, or whatever his title was, I thought he was great. Um, they did a short where um, they introduced his number two, and I thought she was fantastic, and I like the Spock that they cast. Um, and I feel like it's an area of Star Trek that has been described, but never super explored. Um, maybe it was an Enterprise. I never watched Enterprise. Um uh, Inter- it, Enterprise was very it, different. So, yeah. yeah. Okay. But it gives me the, the teaser for it 
gives me goosebumps in the way that like I would feel as a child first uh first becoming aware of space exploration and other planets it like it really ignited like this childhood wonder in me just um the the VO and then the locations that they created um so I think I hope it'll be as delightful as the teaser makes it out to be. That's great. I'm really glad to hear that you had that reaction. Uh, that wasn't the reaction I had from watching the trailer. It might be that I'm just as jaded on Star Trek as I am on Star Wars. But uh, I can see that that's what they were going for, right? That idea of wonder. Maybe I've just seen too much Star Trek and Star Wars. And so the whole wonder thing is hard for me to think about because I- I've been exposed to so much of it. But my hope is that once the series comes out, uh, that will actually totally come through and I'll be on board because I would love for there to be a, a immersive and hopeful science fiction series out there. I would love to see that. Yeah, same, same. Uh, but something I know that you did have a wonderful reaction to and did excite you was the Miss Marvel trailer that just came out. Yeah, so that, that came out. The first thing was that there were little effects in the Ms. Marvel trailer that made me say this feels kind of Edgar Wright-ish it felt kind of like Scott Pilgrim versus the world with uh with like some of the speech bubbles and stuff and I felt like they really yeah gave a fun representation of uh, Kamala Khan as a, a daydreamer fan fiction uh big Avengers stan kind of nerd yeah, I, I agree. Um, the actress they cast was absolutely charming in the trailer, as were all the supporting people. Um, I I really like. I was worried when they first said they were making Miss Marvel because you know she can kind of she's got all these superpowers. She's super cool, but like you know she can stretch and have giant fists. You see that often, and I was afraid that would look really dumb, like some nineteen nineties Mister Fantastic. Yeah. Um, but it well, looks really cool the way they imagined it. Yeah, they also, they're, I feel like they're downplaying that part a lot. They're giving her more cosmic powers and, and her powers are not so much mm-hmm. uh, the stretchy, stretchy type. And possibly that's because they don't want to uh, to have too many powers overlap with Mr. Fantastic because we know that they want to bring Fantastic Four into the MCU. So... That yeah. might be part of it. But yeah, there is a, a sequence in the teaser or in the trailer where she is making her fist big and punching someone. And it's got that little cosmic energy like glow around her fist while she's doing it. It's a super like blink and you miss it kind of moment in the trailer. But I feel like that's mm-hmm. a nod to the actual character's powers in the comic book. I suspect what we'll see in the series will be more, you know, generic shoots energy bolts from her hands kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, I'm super excited about it. The, it falls into the same realm as like Shang-Chi or even to, well, I guess moments of Hawkman were super dark, but overall Hawkman, like the the kind of Marvel uh, TV shows and movies that just left me feeling happy. Oh, Hawkeye. Um, Hawkeye. Did I say Hawkman? Yeah, that's why I was confused. I was like, I thought that was a DC character. Yeah. I, it is, and I do like Hawkman, and he's going to be in the Black Adam movie, um, which is the thing that makes me interested in it. Well, really, I like Hawk Girl. But, uh, yeah, Hawkeye. 
Shang-Chi. It's been a long day. <laughs> Hawkeye, Shang-Chi, um, things like that, that were, there was, there, there obviously there is always going to be conflict and scary things or dark things or sad things because otherwise you don't have a story, but just superhero stories that leave you feeling super. This feels like it falls into that category. Um, yeah, I'm very excited about it. Agreed. I, I'm, I am looking forward to it. I was worried about it because there were a lot of rumors about reshoots and rewrites and all that kind of stuff, but the trailer looks great. So I'm hoping that whatever changes were made are not going to be evident when we watch the series. Yeah. Plus, I mean, they filmed in Atlanta, so gotta, gotta love that. Yeah. I, I gotta love that <laughs> as an actor in Atlanta. Um, <laughs> We actually have a little bit more to talk about the Marvel Universe um, and uh, another news story or two. Uh, But first, we need to take another quick break. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbionica is your solution to great-tasting, all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or toxins. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbionica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbionica.com. C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A dot com. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies to steal a moment for yourself before the week ahead. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Okay, we're in section three where we do our mashups and... As has been the case recently, our mashups are inspired by things that happened in the story. Um, one of which is another trailer, which we got the trailer for the, the another trailer for the Sonic 2 movie, where you know, we got to see a little bit more Eggman uh, action as well as some Knuckles action and uh, what I guess are jokes. I don't know. I'm old and nothing's funny <laughs> anymore. So... Uh, 
I can say with all honesty and without any judgment, this film is not for me, but I really can see where fans will have a good time and they can do that without me there. Yeah, uh, the the trailer for me, I, I didn't watch the first. It looks cute, but it definitely looks kitty. Um, and I don't know why, but Jim Carrey is just kind of turning me off with his Dr. Robotnik, Dr. Eggman, however, whatever you want to call him, uh, character. Um, the other news we have is a little bit more sad, a lot more sad, which is William Hurt, who was Thunderbolt Ross in the Marvel movies, um, has passed away mm-hmm. uh, for can- from cancer. Yeah. And he, so he, he had a very long and decorated career in acting. He was in several like high profile classic films, uh, you know, movies that were critically acclaimed and over ever since Iron Man, uh, really well, the Hulk ever since the Hulk, he's been a part of the MCU playing Thunderbolt Ross. He showed up in, in black widow. He showed up in Avengers movies. Um, so yeah, it was, uh, you know, Captain America, Captain America. Yeah. He's, he's been a character who has been in, uh, in lots of these, these films, and um, I'm sure that will be uh, a difficult part to recast if, in fact, they decide to do that. Uh, it's also possible that they might incorporate the characters passing in the storyline. We don't know. I mean, Marvel's done both, right? Marvel has has uh, yeah. has recast characters, <laughs> War Machine, and has uh, not. <laughs> so we'll have to see. Yeah. Um, and. Of of his illustrious catalog of movies that he's done, we picked Captain America to mash up. And this was before I realized that there was a Captain America comment in the Sonic trailer. Um, so. Yeah. Yeah. Fun times that. So um, who do you want to go first, Ariel? I'll go first. Okay. Um, this is called, I think they're going to be different because we kind of gave each other a a a nod to what we were looking at. Um, So this is called Super Soldier Sonic Serum. One day, Sonic was doing his hedgehog thing, you know, saving little furry animals from being turned into robots, thwarting, thwarting Dr. Robotnik, zooming through rings, and the usual with his buddy Tails the Fox. But one day when he did so, he and Tails were transported to another world when they zoomed through a ring. Our world. Upon his arrival, the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division, also known as S.H.I.E.L.D., picked him and Tails up and put them into containment. When Sonic came to, S.H.I.E.L.D. was only, like, mildly surprised he could talk because, you know, Rocket Raccoon and Groot and Howard the Duck. But they listened to his story. Sonic told them he had to get back to his planet to stop Doc Robotnik from turning all his fuzzy friends into robots. S.H.I.E.L.D. had a similar problem that they were expecting, so they were sympathetic. They said they didn't know how to get Sonic back to his planet, but they could make him an elite soldier so that once he did get back to his planet, he'd be able to complete his quest. Sonic agreed, and the next thing he knew, he was being injected with super soldier serum. All of a sudden, Sonic found he was human-sized and a little slower, but much stronger. They gave him two large golden chakram, which are like those big Xena-type weapons that kind of look like golden rings, uh, titled him Captain Hedge America and sent them off to fight Earth's versions of Dr. Robotnik. He and Tails, who did not get any super serum, but that's because he could fly, were extremely effective against the threats of Earth. 
and space and such, and they quickly became loved worldwide as the best Avengers. That is until one day he had to fight a robot named Ultron. Sonic was sure this would be easy peasy. I mean, when he was fighting robot adjacent things, he was living his best life. Unfortunately, when he and Tails got to Ultron, they found out that the metal body had been taken over by none other than Sonic's old arch nemesis, Dr. Robotnik. Inside of Ultron's body, Robotnik was nigh unstoppable, stomping Sonic and ripping a tail off of Tails. He had two, and now he only had one. And just when things looked bleakest, a lightning storm miraculously popped up and struck Sonic, which supercharged him back to his best. And after an intense and very destructive fight, Robotnik was defeated. S.H.I.E.L.D. confiscated the robot body, and because of Robotnik's influence, they were able to track a way back to Sonic's planet through the Quantumverse. They were also able to replace Tails' the Fox's tail, the ripped off one, and he got a new moniker, the Arctic Soldier. S.H.I.E.L.D. begged Sonic to stay, but Sonic knew he had to go home and fix the damage done by Robotnik. So he was given the special portal ring to come back through the Quantumverse to Earth when needed. He promised to return when they called, and he and the Arctic soldier disappeared back to their home. The end. Nice. I can also say that there are some similarities between our two, but they are uh, quite different. But you will pick up on those similarities right away. Here we go (laughs) with mine. Captain Hedgehog, the first Avenger. (laughs) Steve Rogers has a problem. He's a scrawny kid from Brooklyn who wants nothing more than to enlist in the army and serve his country over in Europe during World War II. After all, with the U.S. at war, the country needs every able-bodied fella to do his patriotic duty and get shipped overseas. But Steve Rogers, he's a scrawny little guy. Hardly any meat on them bones. So he is rejected every time he tries to enlist. And he's tried a lot. Meanwhile, Roger's best friend, a hunky dude named Bucky Tails Barnes, has no trouble enlisting. Barnes does his best to look out for Rogers, but of course, Barnes ultimately must leave Brooklyn to become part of the war. Rogers tries to enlist so many times that one scientist working for the army, a guy named Abraham Erskine, is impressed at what he sees, and by pulling a few strings, He has Steve Rogers accepted into the armed forces, even though the kid weighs less than a typical army backpack. In training, Rogers proves himself time and again. What he lacks in strength and endurance, he makes up for with heart and ingenuity. Plus, at the army's chili dog eating contest, he takes first prize, eating an insane 17 chili dogs. It was a great day and a very rough night for the young Steve. (laughs) He also makes friends with Amy Rose Carter, a British special operations executive officer. Carter is impressed with Steve's dedication, and she finds his creative ways to achieve goals amusing. Ultimately, Roger's resolve and heart are enough to convince Abraham that the kid is perfect for a super secret soldier project. He is picked to become the world's first super soldier. The scientist explains the process which involves Steve stepping into this big, like, pressure chamber thing. And then the scientist holds up a syringe, a syringe filled with furry blue liquid. You heard me right, furry blue liquid. And it turns out the scientist's approach is to inject a serum derived from a mutated hedgehog's blood 
into Steve Rogers. And he does so, and there's a lot of lights and alarms, stuff go off, and uh, smoke comes out of nowhere, and it's all very dramatic. And when all that clears away and the chamber opens, we see that Steve has been transformed from a scrawny kid in New York into a blue, furry, scrawny kid from New York. And it's actually kind of a letdown, except then Steve sees that Carter, she's about to trip down the stairs across the lab. So in the blink of an eye, he moves to her side to help her steady herself. And Carter and Erskine look at each other and they they share an understanding that Steve Rogers can now run really, really fast, like super fast. In fact, it's more or less a compulsion. Steve's gotta go fast. Boom, montage. We see Steve rushing through obstacle courses moments after his drill sergeant says go. We see him run literal circles around jeeps going across the base. We see him having to get new pairs of shoes over and over again as he wears out the old ones. Even the grouchy Colonel Chester Phillips has to admit that Rogers appears to have been the right choice. But Phillips is a bit irritated about all those shoes, and he tells the scientist Howard Stark you better get that kid some footwear that can stand up to the task or we'll go bankrupt on the shoe budget alone. So Howard Stark ends up producing a pair of red, flexible footwear for Steve. They're made from a material that's part plastic, part vibranium, and they have incredible resilience while still being lightweight. And no matter how fast Rogers runs, the shoes don't heat up or wear out. Oh, and we also see that Rogers can eat even more chili dogs in one sitting. His personal best is 48. Also, he got in trouble for that one because in the aftermath, there was a brief moment when folks at the base feared that they had been hit by a gas attack. Anyway, before you know it, Steve is off to Europe to fight against Hydra and the Nazis. And we see another montage of him rushing into situations and freeing prisoners of war or getting a look at enemy positions or running so fast across no man's land that no bullet can even touch him. Through the whole thing, he remains humble and loyal to his country. He accepts assignments without hesitation, though it does mean he doesn't get much downtime, and that's a shame because his friendship with Amy Rose Carter sure could use a little time of its own. But anyway, one day, Rogers is called in for a new assignment. The head of Hydra, the Red Eggman, is up to something. And the Red Eggman is a legendary figure. He's known for his cruelty and intelligence, and also he tends to float around on a platform with rockets on it. It also turns out he's captured several American soldiers, and among them is Roger's old buddy, Bucky Tails Barnes. So, a rescue mission is put together with Rogers leading the way, and he's backed up by a group of guys who collectively go by the name the Howlin' Hedgehogs. And together, they infiltrate Hydra's headquarters, and Rogers splits off from the group, which focuses on keeping an escape route open. Rogers finds the captives, including Bucky, and he quietly sets them loose. They all try to make their way out, but in the process of their escape, they alert Hydra. And then next thing you know, you have this high-action chase sequence where Rogers does his best to get the attention of Hydra soldiers and keep them occupied while the rest try to escape. And during that attempt, there's this bit where everyone has to go over a narrow bridge high up in a mountain pass, and Bucky, while making his way across, is winged by a sniper's bullet and he falls off the edge. And this is very dramatic and also very sad. Anyway, Rogers also learns that Red Eggman has in his possession a dangerous artifact known only as the Death Egg. And it's this glowing blue egg-shaped thing that apparently houses limitless power inside it. And Rogers knows that if the Red Eggman... Uh, holds on to this while the world is in danger, so he has to get this relic from him. So he rushes in once again, and the Red Eggman can't keep up. 
even with his henchmen, Knuckles. And so Steve Rogers, now proclaiming himself Captain Hedgehog, grabs hold of the Death Egg and makes his escape. Uh, Knuckles and the Red Eggman are in close pursuit, and Captain Hedgehog runs and runs, running across Europe, over to the Mediterranean Sea. He runs so fast, he can actually run on top of water, and keeps running south, while the Red Eggman flies overhead in a hypersonic jet, and the evil Knuckles, also gifted with super speed, is right on Rogers' heels. And just as it looks like Rogers is going to get caught between the two, he really turns up the speed. He's on the outskirts of Antarctica, and he sees an iceberg, so he runs up the iceberg, flies up through the air, hits the hydrojet. That causes the Red Eggman to lose control of the jet, crashing toward the seas, landing right on top of Knuckles. But before Rogers can even celebrate this victory, he falls back to Earth, landing smack dab into Antarctica, where he rapidly freezes. We skip forward six decades. An excavation team has discovered the Death Egg and, as it turns out, Rogers. And to their amazement, Rogers is still alive. He's just frozen, but still blue and furry. And so they thaw him out. And he is happy to hear that they won World War II, but less happy that everyone he knows is either dead or really, really old. And we have a melancholic moment as he eats a chili dog in silent reflection. Credits. Post-credit scene. We're in another lab. It's a modern day lab. And there's this sinister looking fellow who's walking around one of those Dr. Frankenstein gurney things, you know, the, the kind of table that can tilt up so that the monster can, can be put onto their feet. You know, Darth Vader had one too, and then they can walk around and stuff. But anyway, the camera's at the back of the table, so we can't see who's on it. And the sinister fellow is saying something about having the perfect weapon at his disposal, and then says, send the Winter Soldier. And the camera pans around, and we see that on that Frankenstein table is Bucky Tails Barnes, and he has a tail, a cyborg tail, and a blank look in his <laughs> eyes. The end. I love it. Um, and I love our similarities. I'm just going to say great minds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tails is Tales as a Winter Soldier is just such a delightful concept. I mean, me. you know, I, I was limited by my very limited knowledge of the Sonic, uh, the Hedgehog uh, uh, pantheon. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah, that was a fun I, one. I, I had a lot of fun giving Steve Rogers Sonic the Hedgehog powers. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, And if you guys had fun with it, too, and maybe have an idea of how you would like to mash up Captain America with Sonic, please write us and tell us. You can do that by sending us an email. The address is lnc at iheartmedia.com. Or if you prefer, you can drop us a line on social media. Over on Twitter, we are lnc underscore podcast. And on Facebook and Instagram, we're Large Nerdron Collider. Yes, and if you like the show, please tell your friends, share episodes, rate us, review us. All of that good stuff really helps our show grow and gives us more people to to geek out with. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much for listening. And until next time, I am Jonathan Chili Dog Strickland. And I am Ariel Tesseract Caston. Got it in one. The Large Nerdron Collider is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by Ariel Kasten. Jonathan Strickland is the executive producer. The show is produced, edited, and published by Tari Harrison. 
For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. 